figured instead of making you sit an extra time, Hannah, you want to stay up here with me? Okay. It wasn't very convincing, but I'll take it. So today our scripture, it, it won't be the whole time, just for a minute, okay? Today our scripture comes from John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. The story of Jesus turning water into wine. On the third day, there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that he had had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to them, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Canaan of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord, and we say, thanks be to God. You can be seated. Here, Hannah, let's go sit down right here. And Mark, would you play the video for us? So, I need to ask you something, Hannah. This is water, right? There's, there's water in this cup, and there's no water in this cup, right? And let, let me prove it to you. Just water. I drank it. Nothing special about it, right? If I pour this water into this other cup... Do you think I can make it change colors? No? You don't think so? You want me to try? Okay, I want you to think about it really hard, okay? And I I want you to really, really want the water to change colors, okay? Do you really want it to happen? Okay. This is what they taught us in in preaching school, okay? So I'm going to take the water. I'm going to pour it into the cup. All right, it didn't work. All right, all right. Maybe you didn't want it enough, okay? Do you you really want it? Do you really want to see it happen? You sure? You don't look very convinced. You, You sure you want to see this water change colors? All right. Maybe let's try again. Maybe we just didn't want it bad enough. Does everyone want this water to change colors? Yes. Okay, yeah, let's, let's get excited about it. Yeah, we want the water to change colors, don't we? Let's want it real bad together, church. All right, come on. Come on, we want it. We want this to happen. Come on. Oh. 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 Maybe one more time? I, you know, I, I think it was Mark. Mark didn't want it bad enough. So let's all blame Mark. 
Let's try it one more time, okay? Everybody get your want in your head. Think it real hard. I want it to turn colors, don't I? Here we go. Three, two, one. Uh, it, it's still just water. Still, still just tap water from the kitchen. That is. Well, Hannah, you know, sometimes we take what we already have and we want something really, really bad, don't we? And we really want it to happen. And we just keep going from one of our hands to the other one of our hands. Maybe if I change it and put it over here, maybe it'll just do it on its own one time. Maybe something will happen. But you know, in our scripture today, the, the water was empty. The, they had run out of wine. And so Jesus said, hey, go get those, those barrels over there. Well, you see, sometimes we want to get our own barrels. We want to get our own, right? We say, I already have a cup. This will work. But sometimes, sometimes God, he, he tells us, he says, hey, take my cup. Go get my cup, the one that I'm telling you to get. Go get it and follow me. So if we're using God's cup and not our cup, do you think the water could change colors? You don't think so? Well, I've been wrong thus far so many times. So let's try it, okay? We all want it, don't we? We really, really want it. And now we have God's cup. It's not our cup. And we just sang about it. God does great things, right? Let's see. If we all want it, and we're using God's cup, what's going to happen? I'm going to spill. It worked. Now, Hannah, do you think if we would have stood here all day going back and forth from my cup to my cup, do you think it ever would have worked? No? Why was that one special? This was God's cup, wasn't it? We can't do anything on our own want. We can't want anything so bad to happen. But we have to use what God has given us to make things happen. Should I drink it? Should I? I'll take that as a no. If she had said yes, I would have done it. But All right, well, thank you, Hannah. You can go sit back with your dad. Everyone give Hannah a round of applause. So, you know, there's two kinds of people in the world. There's people that can be on time, and there's people that can't be on time. And you, you, you know that you are one or the other. And it's not really anything to be ashamed about. A lot of it is genetics. <laughs> you, just, you just get it passed down. Well, mama was always late, so I'm always late, right? That, that's what happens. But, you know, for me, I can't stand to be late. Church starts at 10.30, and I think every Sunday that I've been here for three years, I've gotten here a little bit earlier, every single Sunday, just to be safe, just to be safe. This church is very pretty at 7.30 in the morning on Sunday morning, but I'm not going to be late, right? I'm going to be here, and I'm going to be on time. When I was growing up as a kid, I hated getting to school late. If I was, if I was three minutes late to school, I thought it was a better option to just turn around, get back in the car. The day was a failure, 
and just go back home and try again tomorrow. If I'm not on time, that whole thought of they've already said the pledges and they're getting the lesson started and I walk in and... Not me. No. But I do understand. Some of you are still waiting for that day where you're going to be on time. You know, there was a... at, At our church in Bowling Green, and there's no one like this in this church, but they... I just wanted to tell them, you know, we don't just sing one song every Sunday. We sing three, four, or five. You just always walk in right when we start the last one. And, you know, we do these things called announcements before then and, and tell you what's, you know. And, and some of you, it, it's not a bad thing if you're late. I mean, you've just probably, you've missed the opening scene to some movies, you know. You pull up to the movies a little late, you get in and, the 20 minutes of credits are already over and you still miss the scene. It's, it's not a bad thing. And, and around here, you know, we, a lot of times if we have a really serious doctor's appointment, what do we have to do? We have to drive all the way to Atlanta, right? And we all know that you can't just account for the amount of time it takes to get there. You have to account for the world collapsing between here and there. So you leave three hours early for an appointment. And of course, when you leave three hours early, there's no traffic. So you show up and you're two hours, an hour and a half early or so. And when that happens, you, you're, you're kind of stuck. Like, do I sit in the car? Do I go in? If I go in and I sit down, are the employees going to feel like awkward because there's other people that have appointments before me that haven't even sat down? That's how my brain works. I don't know if, it's, if that's how yours works. But so being on time, you're either that or you're not. And again, it's not a bad thing, but we all fall into one of those categories. We either are always on time or we just can never get it together. Well, I think Jesus in our story today is feeling a little bit like the, uh, like, like if we showed up to an appointment three hours early. Because Jesus finds himself just like any of us. He was invited to a wedding, so what did he do? He went with his friends who were also invited and they show up to the wedding. After the ceremony, the food comes out and everyone's enjoying themselves. And all of a sudden, Mary, Jesus' mother, interrupts the party. Hey, there's no more wine. And Jesus' response is pretty interesting. He basically says, hey, 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 it's not my turn. My hour's not come yet. Essentially, he's saying, why is this my problem? I'm early to my appointment anyways. Then Mary looks at the servants and essentially says, he's going to take care of your issue. Just, just listen to him. And she walks away. Isn't that a great motherly response? Mother approaches son. Son says, what? What are you talking about? And mother just tells everyone else, hey, he's going to take care of it. Thanks, mom kind of reminds me of the song from Tangled, Disney's Tangled, Mother Knows Best. Do we all know that song? Mother knows best, Lissia mother. Great. Tangled's better than Frozen, just throwing that out there. But mom always knows best. Jesus, being the obedient son that he was, he, he takes on the issue. All the servants had to do was fill the jars with water, and when they retrieved it to give it to the master of ceremonies, it's wine. We're led here to kind of assume that the chief servant wasn't really aware that they were out of water. 
I mean, out of wine, because he only mentions the high quality of the wine. He's not really shocked at the fact that there was no wine and now there's wine. But it also says he never asks where it came from. And Jesus seems to not really be seeking any credit for this. He just so happened to be at the right place at the right time, and although he didn't feel like it was his time, he was early to his appointment. He respected his mother, and he carried out the miracle recorded in John's Gospel. Our humble Savior didn't announce that he's the reason that this wine is miraculously here. He simply meets the need, and he moves on. It's important to note here, too, that Jesus didn't merely snap his fingers and there was wine. This past week in, in our group that's watching The Chosen together, uh, we watched Jesus build a fire. And Jesus didn't just snap his fingers and there was fire. He had to, you know, rub the sticks. He had to get it hot. Had to keep the, the right amount of air blowing on it. Jesus didn't just snap his fingers and make things happen. Now remember, these barrels are completely empty. The servants had to obey him and go fill the barrels with water. 20 to 30 gallons each. Imagine how heavy that is. The servant hit the water, and because they obeyed, the miracle happens. The important thing here is, to not, cr- is not credit, but rather that the problem is fixed, and everyone can continue celebrating the wedding. Do you remember a time in our history when someone did take credit for a miracle and things didn't work out so well? Remember back in Numbers chapter 20, so if you're not familiar, that's, that's part of the essence of, of the Israelites wandering through the wilderness. And in, in Numbers chapter 20, the people of God have already been in exile for several decades. I mean, they're just sick and tired of it. And they find themselves in this place with no water. None whatsoever. And the people, they come bickering to Moses and Aaron, and they're like, okay, you're God, this Yahweh dude. He brought us out here, and now we don't have any water. We're going to die. So Moses and Aaron do what any good leader would do. They go to God, and they say, God, we, we need water. That we need, the, the people are going to suffer. They're going to perish. And God says, hmm, okay, here's what you're going to do, Moses. Moses, take your staff, gather the people, And that rock over there, hit your staff on that rock, and water will come out of it. All right, sounds pretty straightforward. One step. Well, then Moses, he goes to the people, and he gets them all together, and they gather around the rock. And this is essentially what Moses said. And uh, Trevor took Hebrew, so he can tell me that I'm exactly right, even when I have no idea. But this is how I read it. Moses says, Listen here, you whiny babies. Must we water come out of this rock so that you would stop complaining? Then do you remember what Moses did? He takes the staff and he whacks the rock. Not once, but he whacks it twice. And, he's, he's, and he hits it hard. He's frustrated. He's like, hush, stop. So he whacks it hard, and it's not just that there's a, a little stream coming out of the rock, but it's, the scripture says that water was gushing out of the rock. And everyone is happy, right? We have water. Oh, excellent. Well, you have one more part to this story. Everyone's happy, except for God. God tells Moses, Moses that he didn't handle that in an attitude of obedience, and he tried to take credit for doing it. So Moses 
would not see the promised land. Man, he had worked so hard, but he got carried away. This gives me the impression that God was probably more than just a little upset that Moses tried to steal the glory for the miracle. Because you see, when Moses talked to his people, he said, must we, must I make water come out of this? And God said, hold up. You're not making water come out of this. I am. When God does something incredible in your life or uses you to make something incredible happen, the last thing that we can do is take credit for it. And I I personally think social media has kind of hurt us in this regard. Many people will post about some incredible thing that's happened and not give God the credit. Or they thank, but then they tell you all these great things that you did on your own power because you worked really hard. The disciples and the servants at the wedding didn't try to take credit, but rather they were drawn into a closer relationship and a deeper understanding of who this guy is from Nazareth. Moses got tired of dealing with those that did not understand God, and so he put himself in God's place. And we see that that didn't end well for Moses. No promised land for you, buddy. Church, miracles, they're the work of God. Miracles are not the work of us. I could have stood here for days and weeks and going from my cup to my cup, my cup to my cup, my cup back to my cup, just hoping maybe There's a glitch in the universe, and that water changes colors. But it only happens when it's the work of God. So I have to talk about the fact that both of these miracles that we're about today took obedience from those through which God wanted to use. A sense of humble obedience to carry out the extraordinary thing that God wanted to do. They didn't fully understand it. The servants probably had no idea why they were going down to get more water. But that was okay that they didn't understand. They were obedient. We often don't have an idea of what God is up to right now until we look back and we see how God's hands were all over that situation. So often I think that we begin to pray for miracles that we think need to happen. We're guilty of that, and that, that, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But we have it all figured out, and we think that God just needs to submit to our will and to our way. You know, I think we would all sing that old chorus a little bit more if it said, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to my will and to my way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust me and obey. When my spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. It's not about our will. When we look back at our previous seasons of life, we can see that God was performing miracles that we had no idea about. We were so concerned about our miracles that we didn't pick up on what God was already doing. 
You know, we all wish at some point that God would miraculously drop millions into our bank accounts. And this might seem like a blessing, but it could be the very last thing that we need. Is everyone in here familiar with Shaquille O'Neal? Shaq, basketball player, one of the best to do it, big guy, he just couldn't shoot free throws. And if you've watched any TV in the last 10 years, he's on at least one commercial every commercial break. Whether it's for the General or for CarMax or whoever is paying him tons of money to be in that commercial. But Shaquille O'Neal loves to tell the story that when he got drafted into the NBA, it's not until you're drafted that you can start signing contracts and making money and all that good stuff. So he had a trading card company that had his deal ready and was just ready for him to be officially drafted. He could sign... The first check he got from that company was $1 million. Shaq didn't grow up wealthy. His parents didn't have much. That $1 million hit his bank account. He spent $1 million in one hour. One hour. He went out and bought a watch. And then he went out and bought a very, very expensive car. And then while he was signing the paperwork, he said, You know, my mom would like this car. Let me buy her one too. So he bought his mom one. He gets back home, prizes his mom with the car. Then dad comes out and says, huh, I like that car. And Shaq says, oh, okay, I got you, dad. And he goes back to the dealership and he bought his dad one. And then he got a call from the bank the next day that he had overdrafted from his million dollars. That was a great lesson for Shaq because he then immediately hired a financial advisor and now is one of the most successful businessmen in our country. But, you see, he was blessed beyond measure. Boom, million dollars. He didn't know how to steward a million dollars. So oftentimes we think that we know what we need. We think, oh, if, he would, if God would just drop the million in our bank account, then life would be okay. And God says, you ain't ready for that. If you haven't stewarded what I've already given you, why do you just expect to just keep going from your power to your power, from your power to your power, and then all of a sudden, riches untold? You see, we so often we think we know if just this is the thing. God, this one, you know, one cure. If you would just heal this one person, That's all we need. You know, even if if right now, maybe you're later on in life and you do have some financial wealth, you can probably think back and think, man, if I had that money when I was 18, that would have been bad. Or, oh man, if I had that money at 25, man, that would have been bad. God knows what we need. Instead of being fixated on being the one who benefits from the miracle... We've got to take the attitude of the servants at the wedding and be willing to do the heavy lifting so that Jesus can do what Jesus wants to do to meet needs. Let me say that again. Instead of being fixated on receiving a miracle, we have to be open to how God is longing to use us so that something miraculous can happen for someone else. God's going to do miracles. God has always done miracles. And God will always continue to do miracles. The question is, if we're willing to be a part of miracles, 
that we never would have planned on our own. You know, I can't help but think about obedience and what it really means to be obedient. Because, you see, Moses was somewhat obedient. He just had a really bad attitude. And what happened? The people were still blessed. They got their water. It was provided. God still came through. But then Moses was punished for his attitude. At the wedding, what happened? The servants were obedient and didn't really ask questions. The text gives us, it just says they went, they got the water, they came. And you know who benefited from that? Not the servants. They were working. Everyone else benefited from that. Are you willing to be a part of something that so impactfully blesses and changes someone else's life that doesn't change a thing about you? I think if if we as individuals and we as a church, if we can begin to have that attitude of obedience and just say, Father, just let me be obedient. Because you know what? If we're obedient and meeting needs others, someone else is going to be obedient and going to meet our needs. And you know what we call that? The kingdom of God. We talked about this one time on a Wednesday night. It just kind of organically came up in our conversation. But you know when you go through the drive-thru and you pull up and they say, oh, the person in front of you paid for your meal. And you kind of, yes. And then you have that moment of like, oh. And there's a car behind me. And then you have to just you decide in that moment, do I just give him my card or, you know, I'm by myself getting a biscuit. What if that's a van full of kids back there? And sometimes that happens. But you know, the kingdom of God, it's not like a drive through where all the food is free. That, that's not the kingdom of God. It's not. The kingdom of God is like a drive through When we pull up to the drive through and we hand them our card and we don't ask questions and we say, I got theirs. And we trust that when we get to the drive through that the person in front of us had, had looked back and said, hey, I got theirs. And when we begin to live lives of obedience like that, opportunities are endless. Just imagine how different that sounds. So contrary. The culture we live in is is build it for yourself, build it for yourself, keep it for yourself, support yourself. But the kingdom of God says, support your neighbor and your neighbor will support you. Well, what if my neighbor's not a part of the kingdom of God? Well, maybe through you supporting your neighbor, they'll be invited into this wonderful kingdom. They're not going to know until, they're, until they receive. You didn't know Christ. Christ knew you and offered to you salvation. It's a free gift that cost him a whole lot. I could keep going for another hour and a half about this, church. But I hope this image is stuck in our heads this week. We can want it so bad. We can be on our knees crying. And sometimes still the doctor's going to come out and say they didn't make it. We can be on our knees not knowing what's going to happen, how that bill is going to get paid. And sometimes the debt collector will still call and say, where is it? And if we're so caught up 
in caring for ourselves, we're going to miss the fact that God has told us, hey, go grab my cup over there and take it to your neighbor. What does that cost you? Nothing. What did it give them? Life. And it's not ours to hoard, not ours to keep to ourselves, but we are to be people that share life. Let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful for your Holy Spirit that intercedes on our behalf. Lord, that that steps in and says, hey, this is the work that I'm doing. I just need obedient servants to be a part of it. Father, help us soften our hearts today to the needs of others and not our own and trust that someone else will meet our needs because in that, God, we will see so many miracles, so many miraculous things. God, help us not to be like Moses and be spoiled from your blessing and not willing to pass it on, but help us to take the attitude of these servants who said, okay, we'll go get the water so that everyone else can benefit. And Lord, when we do that, may we do it with the attitude that says that you will deserve all the glory and the honor and the praise. Search our hearts. Lord, we need you. We love you. We thank you for being in our midst today. We pray all this in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? It might sound strange, but let's sing the kids' song together that we all learned growing up in in children's church. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Do you know the second verse? Do you remember? Jesus loved me, he who died. Heaven's gates are open wide. He's prepared a place for me. And one day his face I'll see. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. 
the Bible tells me so. Would you go from this place as people loved by Jesus who are participating in the miraculous works that God wants to do in the world. You are dismissed. If I could meet with the board members in my office for just a moment, I need to speak with the board members. Everyone else, we'll see you tonight at six o'clock for the all church meeting.